Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Jesus said, you're going to have trials, but be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world. So we can expect them. And for the Christian, many times your trials and your circumstance and your suffering is even worse than the world. Because you have every demon and every devil in hell coming after you to destroy you, to distract you, to dismay you, to cause you to water down your faith or just to turn your back on God altogether. And so the trials in the life of the Christian oftentimes feel even more severe. If you know that to be true, say amen. It's true. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And God in your trial is working in your behalf. Jesus is asleep. But even as he sleeps, they are learning a valuable lesson about faith and trusting him. God's always in control, even in the stormy weather of life. There's a fascinating verse in Psalm 148, verse 8, and it says, Stormy wind fulfilling his word. Isn't that amazing? In other words, every stormy circumstance and problem in our lives are filtered through the hand of God. And the truth is, storms are good. Tests are good because they come through the hand of God. First of all, he's not going to try you more than you can bear. Someone once said that God keeps one hand on the thermostat and one hand on you. It will never get hotter than you can bear. You think, oh God, I can't take this anymore. Yes, you can. And it's going to get hotter. I'm like, oh yeah, Ronnie, you're doing a lot for my uh, spiritual life here, man. You're encouraging me. Absolutely. Because God is in control. Stormy winds fulfilling his word. No matter what you're going through, God is working. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And God's going to get you to the desired end, which is what you really want, isn't it? Oh, God, I want to be a godly woman. Oh, God, I want you to be glorified in me. Hallelujah. Jesus, your way and not my way. Jesus, I want you to move in my life and make me all that you want me to be. And we have all these lofty words, but as soon as God turns up the fire, wait a minute. That's kind of not what I was thinking. As soon as the storms come, hold it, Lord. Are you asleep? Stormy winds fulfilling his word. Listen to this little poem that I found. I think it illustrates the point. Listen, it's called the good timber, good timber. 
The tree that never had to fight for sun and sky and air and light that stood out in the open plain and always got its share of rain never became a forest king, but lived and died a scrubby thing. The man who never had to toil to heaven from the common soil, who never had to win his share of sun and sky and light and air, never became a manly man, but lived and died as he began. Good timber does not grow in ease. The stronger the wind, the tougher the trees. The further the sky, the greater the length. The more the storm, the more the strength. By sun and by cold, by rain and snows, in tree or man, good timber grows. Where thickest stands the forest growth, we find the patriarchs of them both. Of many winds and of much strife, this is the common law of life. You want to grow? That means storms. That means trials. Test, trials, storms bring growth and fulfilling his word. Their circumstances, number one, they were overwhelming as they were on the Sea of Galilee experiencing this storm. Secondly, their cry was desperate. Look in your Bibles again in verse 25. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. Now, you put the parallel account in Mark chapter 4, verse 38, and it tells us that Jesus was in the stern of the boat with a pillow, and they awoke him and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Now, this might initially seem like a cry for help, but it really wasn't. It was actually an accusation. What they were saying in tone was, Excuse me, Lord, but... How can you be so inconsiderate and so self-centered to have the audacity to take a nap right now? That's what they're really saying. Lord, we're perishing. In other words, they're saying, Lord, we're desperate and you don't care. Now, understand something. Keep the context here. We're talking about fishermen who were very familiar with the sea. And these guys understood the sea and they were very familiar with the sea of Galilee. And I'm sure that they did everything they could before they woke Jesus up. They were probably taking buckets and emptying the boat as the boat was going down. And they're trying to get the water out of the boat to no avail because the boat is still sinking. The water keeps coming in. It's looking pretty hopeless. And in the midst of the most severe storm and doing everything they knew to do, The boat is still sinking and their cry of desperation. They asked the Lord for help after they had done all they could do. They asked the Lord for help problem. How about this? Why not ask the Lord for help before you do anything? Now, I know that we all know people like this. Not not any of you, of course, of course, you know, but we all know people who begin a certain thing, do a certain thing, and then when it begins to fail, they ask the Lord for help. And I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that it took them so much time to ask the Lord for help. Think about it. The Lord is right there in the boat. Why wouldn't they just say, uh, Lord, um, you know, Jesus, um, excuse me, um, could you wake up? We are having a bit of a problem here. Why wouldn't they just do that just like that at first? Why would they wait until they experience the storm and wait until the situation gets bad? People do that all the time. They wait until things get bad and then they cry out to God. It's almost like, well, I ain't got no other choice. I'll just cry out to God. 
verses. Why not cry out to God first? Call on him first. And then they finally woke Jesus up. And when Jesus woke up, he said, why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Now, why did he say that? Why do you say, why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Because remember, it was just eight verses ago. He told them, come and let us go over to the other side. When he said you have little faith, it was because they failed to believe in his word. Because he said, come, let us go over to the other side. You understand? Come, let us go. He didn't say, come, let us go out in the middle of the Galilee and think. He didn't say, come, let us go drown in the Galilee. He said, come, let us go over to the other side. And so he said that they had little faith because they failed to believe what he said. It wasn't their lack of faith in any other area other than they failed to believe the promise and the command of God. When Jesus says, we're going to go to the other side, guess what? You're going to get to the other side, period. And he said, oh, you of little faith. I love that verse. It's in Isaiah 43, 2. And it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Jesus is saying, let's go to the other side, and I'm going to be with you. You see, God wants us to have faith in his word. Period. And too often we don't. We don't believe what he says. So many promises in the word of God. We would rather God just remove the situation when God is trying to improve your faith. We'd rather him remove. Well, God make my situation better. God's saying, no, I'm going to leave you in that situation for a while because I want you to have faith in me. Faith in my word. So many promises in the Bible. In Isaiah 41.10, one of my favorites. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Matthew 28.20, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing. Read it with me. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise. Jude 1, 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass. God's word and God's promises will endure. And the reason why they had a lack of faith, because they refused to believe God's word and God's promises. And they tried to keep themselves afloat in their own effort their own sweat. I've often said God is looking for inspiration, not perspiration. You don't have to sweat to stay afloat. You need to cry out to him and believe his promises. You know, I read this story a time ago. It was of this um, old pastor who was dying. Disease destroyed his body and his mind became fearful. And a friend of his came by and sat with him and he said, is there anything I can do? And the pastor said, sadly, 
Would you remind me of some of God's promises to us? Well, the man said, I'm ashamed to admit it. I can't remember any of them. And the pastor said, well, don't worry. If you forget them, God hasn't forgotten one single promise. See, we might forget. God does not forget his promises. God remembers his word, remembers his promises to us, and he expects us to remember his promises. And so they're out on the lake. There's a raging storm. You know, here's an interesting side note. Had you ever thought about this? How many times have we heard people say, you know, uh, you know, uh, the storms that you're having are like almost like the Job's friend syndrome. You know, that's what I call the Job's friend syndrome. Good friends they were. They, 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 they come to Job and go, Job, man, look at your situation. I mean, you've you got boils on your body and the dogs are licking. And even your wife has turned against you. What is, what's going on? And Job's friends say, oh, man, you must have sinned against God. And people tell Christians that if you've got a problem in your life or there's something wrong or there's a situation occurring in your life or there's a storm raging in your life, there must be a problem in your life. There must be some sin in your life. There's something that you have done wrong because Christians don't suffer. Christians should never suffer. Oh, we've all heard that teaching in one form or another. Think about this. The reason think about this. The reason the disciples were experiencing a stormy situation is because they were being obedient to Jesus. They were in the midst of the storm, not because they sinned, but because they obeyed. Jesus said, come, let us go to the other side. And they said, okay, Jesus, they get in the boat and they go. Into the midst of the water. They weren't in the midst of the storm because they did something wrong. They weren't in the midst of a storm because they sinned. They weren't in the midst of the storm because of some problem in their lives. They were in the midst of the storm because of their obedience. And we will find ourselves, Christian, listen and listen close. You will find yourself in the midst of the storm oftentimes because you're obeying God. Not because you've done something wrong, but because you're doing something right. You're doing what God has called you to do. You're doing what God has told you to do. And sometimes that will, you will find yourself in the midst of the storm. Sometimes your husband won't like it. Sometimes your wife won't like it. Sometimes your family won't like it. And people will ostracize you and persecute you. And you won't get the promotion on your job. And they won't love you like you and invite you to the happy hour after work. Which happy hour ain't happy hour anyway. It's really sad. I don't know why they call it happy hour. You will receive persecution when you obey him. And that's good news. And y'all should say amen. Because that's good news. Because that just frees us. Now granted, if you're sinning and you're in the midst of a storm... Okay, stop. Deep theology here, you know. All right, just stop. Turn around. Go back to shore and pick up where you left off, okay? But oftentimes we find ourselves in the midst of a storm and we find ourselves in persecution because we are obeying God. 
And so Jesus calm, our third and final point, third and fourth, two points. Jesus calm and Jesus control is all they needed. Look at verse 26. Why Jesus said to them, they wake him up and Jesus, they said, Lord, we're perishing. We're going to die out here. And Jesus said, why are you so fearful? Oh, you little faith. And then he arose and he rebuked the, the sea. Matthew, Mark tells us that he said, peace be still. I like that. Jesus with a word. Remember, it's, it's really all about his word. It's the words that are coming out of his mouth that are important, not the words that come out of your mouth. Not the words that come out of your mouth, but the words that come out of his mouth. And the word that came out of his mouth was peace be still. Now, I find it interesting that he just said peace be still. He didn't, there wasn't any lights, camera, action, any commotion or nothing. He didn't say, you know, I'm speaking in the sea. I'm speaking in the storm. I'm telling you peace be still. And if you don't uh, stop, uh, I'm going to get you uh, and you better. uh, You better. I'm telling you. uh, Oh, the Lord. uh, He got to speak. Shut it. <laughs> I don't uh, see that uh, in the word. Uh. I, I don't, but, but I don't know. Am I the only one that sees this stuff? Am I the only one? It's all this sensationalism and emotionalism and all of these other isms that is causing the church to think that this is the way that we behave. When you read the Bible, we see Jesus does not need all that because his word is powerful. Remember, it is his word that spoke creation into existence. It is his word that, that, that spoke this sea into existence. And now it's his word that tells this sea to be still. Done. And what happened? Look at it again. And there was a great calm. Period. No antics, no emotion, no commotion. Just be still. His word is so powerful. Amen, saints? And that's why we got to know his word. That's why we got to appropriate his word and believe his word and believe his promises. Jesus calm is all they needed. And his control is all they needed. I love Psalm 89, verse 8 through 9. It says, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging sea. When its waves rise, you still them. There is a prophecy spoken by David A thousand years before this situation ever happened, being fulfilled right before our very eyes. He is the one who stills the storms. He's the one who we need to keep our focus on. If I had been in that boat, I probably would have been panicking just like they were, quite honestly. I'd love to tell you, Pastor Rodney's full of faith, but sometimes I'm not. And I might have been freaking out, too. I was talking to my wife just last night and just recalling one of the trips that I made to Israel. Actually, it was my last trip to Israel. And I remember we left uh, RDU and we're headed for LaGuardia. And I'm on one of those small planes. I hate those small planes. You know, when I see a plane and, you know, I, I'm like about the board and I look out the window and see the plane. It's got propellers. I, my palms start sweating. I don't want to see propellers. Propellers make me scared. And so I'm getting, amen, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, no, 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 pastor, don't get on that. I'm like, they're trying to push me. I'm holding, no, 
I'm not getting on that. Sir, we've got to leave. I don't care. Leave. I'm not getting on that thing. I remember a couple of my staff people made me a reservation one time on the plane and on those propeller things. And I told them, don't ever find out what kind of plane it is because I can't get on those things. And so we're flying from here to RDU and I'm headed to Israel to pick up the, the airline there in LaGuardia's LL Airlines. And, and we're on this flight and, and the weather's awful. This is like the worst weather ever. It's worse than the day. And, and it's just like the worst weather ever. And, and, and the turbulence was terrible. And of course I happened to be sitting next to a lady who was like super hypersensitive to turbulence. I know. And so every time the plane, looked, just any little tiny bump, ah! And we just flying along. I'm like, okay. Right. I'm looking over at her like, all right, this is going to be a long flight. <laughs> and taking off, ah! I'm like, what is in my mind? You know, I'm thinking, what's wrong with this woman? I mean, we're taking off. This is what happens. You know what I mean? And we're flying. And and then we got near New York and actually got really bad there. The weather was terrible there. The plane was bouncing all over the place. And this lady's like, ah, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Funny you get a prayer life when you're on a plane, you know? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And I'm looking over here like, lady, you're going to calm down. I'm going to put a pillow over your face or something. Something's got to (laughs) happen. But I can't do that because I'm a pastor and I love people. <laughs> Jesus, people. You know, and, and I'm like, you know, th- it's just crazy. But, but I'm on this flight, right? And I learned something. I got to tell you, I learned something from this because I realized this. When the plane is jumping around and there's a lot of turbulence and you think it's going to really be bad, you know, what you need to do is, here's a key. I'm telling you something. Don't, don't tell everybody, okay? Here's a key. You got to look at the flight attendant. Look at the flight attendant, seriously, because if the flight attendant looks calm and cool and collected like nothing's wrong, then it probably isn't. But if the flight attendant has a look on her face like, we going down, (laughs) then you might want to pray, repent, think of loved ones, you know, try to make a cell call, something, you know, you're going to do something because she got this look on her face like, we going to die, you know. So, but you look at the flight attendant and what happens is if she looks calm, you will look calm. And I think about the story here and I'm thinking, you know, the disciples, you know what they should have done? They should have been in the midst of a storm, bouncing around in turbulence and trials and troubles. And they should have looked at Jesus. Because guess what? Jesus was calm and asleep. To Jesus, it was a silent night, a holy night. To them, it was a scary, freaky night. Jesus wasn't pacing and biting his nails and freaking out and stressing out and cursing out. He was peaced out and he was resting. And if Jesus is calm, that means there's nothing to worry about. Jesus is calm and in complete and total control of every situation. And there's nothing to worry about. So keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You see, Jesus is in the boat and he's sleeping. Why? Because he's tired. He had a long day of ministry, busy day. He's tired. I mean, he's a man like we were. He cried. He laughed. He had fun. He enjoyed times and, and he was tired, which speaks of his humanity. That tells us that he was human. Don't make the mistake He was 100% man and 100% God, but he was tired. And so that speaks of his humanity. But when he spoke, 
to the storm. Peace be still. That speaks of his deity. He is the son of God. God with us. Emmanuel. And with a word. He just speaks. And things are calm and cool. I love Jesus. Jesus was cool. Not freaking out and pacing and biting his nails. Just cool. Peace be still. Done. Everything's calm. And don't you know that it is the same man and the same God who spoke to the storm and said, peace be still, is able to speak to the storms of your life and say, peace be still. Done. Over. No need to worry. He's so able. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.